Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit, that we might be transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good evening, everyone. Today we celebrate, this weekend we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity. Uh, It seems like this time of year it's just feast day after feast day after feast day. And if you're a good Catholic, you should celebrate that because that means extra beer and better food, all right? We're supposed to celebrate feast days as feasts, so that when we also have fasting days, they feel like fasting. This weekend, we celebrate the inner life of God himself, that God is not just some standalone being looking down upon all of us, but that God is in God's self a union of persons, a community of love, of equal persons giving themselves to one another. This weekend, we celebrate Trinity Sunday, and when we're in the seminary, the teachers there all tell us that we're going to hate this weekend every year, because the readings don't really give you very much to go off of, which is true, and because it's one of the hardest subjects that we learn while we're in seminary. In fact, we take an entire semester called Trinity, and by the end of it, all we know is that we don't know anything. That's the answer. Even the teachers don't know. Anyways, if you want to know about the Trinity, the inner life of God, about spiration and passive and active generation and all kinds of other things, personhood and divinity and the Godhead, etc., etc., you can listen to Bishop Robert Barron on Word on Fire on a podcast this week. He says it in 15 minutes, and you might get some of it, and I don't want to do it tonight, all right? So instead, I want to try to tackle one of the readings from today, because I think there actually is a little nugget there, especially for us right now. In the first reading tonight, Moses is reminding the people, he's reminding them of what God has done and why they need to live the way they should live. He says, have you already forgotten? Do you not remember what our God did for us? He starts recounting the history of Israel. He says how God came and spoke to us, us, like he picked us of all the people on the world, this lowly remnant of of weaklings. He picked us and he brought us out of slavery. He, he, He did great signs and wonders. He turned staves into snakes. He turned the river into blood. He, he made locusts and frogs come, and he, he, he parted the Red Sea so we could get away, and he crashed that upon all the chariots and charioteers of, of Pharaoh's army. Do you not remember? Do you remember the column of cloud and the, the pillar of fire that guided us? Do you remember how God wrote with his own finger on stones to teach us the way to live? I mean, those Ten Commandments are actually still what is the bedrock of our society today. Like, do unto others, you know. Honor people, don't steal, private property. All that is based on what God told us three or 4,000 years ago. Moses says, do you not remember? Like, this is why we need to live the way we should live. This is why we follow our God. Because God came and showed us what he could do. Have we seen it? Have we seen what God can do? Or is it just old stories from an old book? 
This past week, I got to go down to Nashville, Tennessee um, for a couple of days to visit a friend of mine. He's a priest in Brentwood, which is south of the city of Nashville. When I got down there, he surprised me and said, hey, I got tickets to the Predators game, which if anyone's a hockey fan, it was game six of seven against the Hurricanes from South Carolina. I'm not a hockey fan, but he said, I got us tickets. And I said, I've not been to an event with more than 200 people in two years, so I'm in. I don't care what sport it is, right? So we went downtown Nashville, went to a bar and had a drink and had some food before the game, and then we went to the game itself. We got to the arena. The place was electric. Everyone had on yellow shirts or yellow jerseys. People's even, even their masks were all Predators masks. When you try to get into the door, it was like sardines and sorry, that's kind of how it was, you know. In Nashville, COVID like doesn't exist, by the way, so anyways... We got into the stadium, went up to our seats, and as we're going to our seats, it was right in time, and they were already starting to announce the players' names, and there was smoke being blown into the arena. We got to our seats, and there were foam fingers and giant hands for clapping and all this kind of stuff, right? And we were in the nosebleeds, because we're priests, and that's all we can afford. So we were in the nosebleed section, watching all this. And as they tell us to stand for the team to come in, or for the national anthem, uh, down there, they're very patriotic. Everyone did. Everyone's hat was off. Everyone sang along. It's amazing. And when the game started and the puck was dropped, there was all kinds of chants and cheers that these 20,000 people all knew. Well, 19,998 of them anyway. And they chanted and sang along. And even though I know nearly nothing about hockey, I started to learn a few things as the game went on, and I learned the chants, and I started to get into it. And as each period ended, we went down to the, go to the bathroom or get, a, get another refreshment and come back up to our seats. And, and we lived the life of the people who were there in that stadium. And as the game was ending, it was 3-3, three to three, and we decided we were going to go ahead and go home to beat the crowd because neither of us were huge hockey fans. And then we heard on the radio as we were exiting our parking garage that the Predators actually, unfortunately, did not win the game. And so the, the Hurricanes, whatever, are advancing. As we drove home from that hockey game, I was, I, I was electrified. I mean, it was a blast. Not only have I, had I forgotten what it was like to be around more than a few hundred people, but I also forgot what it was like to enter into a, a setting where, where I was totally a stranger and then to say, eh, I'm going to join in, right? And what that does to you, there's something about about a community that's on fire, that's, that's joyful, that's, that's in one voice, that is just inspiring. And when you go there, either you can join or you can cross your arms and, and stay a stranger. I think that's what part of this weekend is about. This weekend we celebrate the Holy Trinity, that God himself, God himself is not just one being. God is a community of persons. And that's why Moses cries out. Do you not remember what God did to try to bring you into his life? He, he tried to give you tickets to the game, right? He wanted you to show up. There's, there's, there's a whole life that you can enjoy if you go, if you go. And then, and then on top of that, if you go and you actually invest yourself, if you, if you let go of your strangeness and join in with everybody else, there's a whole nother world you'll experience, a whole new life. And that's kind of what I experienced this past week at that hockey game in Tennessee. And so as I read that reading from, about Moses telling the people to remind them, I thought, 
Do we remember what God has done? I think each of us have had experiences of God. Some of them are great and profound, like the parting of the Red Sea. And some of them are are small and subtle and yet sustaining. You know, on uh, Tuesday of this week, I was called uh, home back home to Hobstadt because my grandma, is, uh, she's sick and she's 95 and a half. And so I went home to give her anointing of the sick and a lot of my family was all there. My aunts and uncles and some of my cousins had come in, which is a big group because when you're a 10 barge, there's like a thousand of us. And everyone lives in Hobstadt, so everybody was there. And so we had an anointing, right? And some of my uh, family who don't really practice the faith very much, they were there. When it came time to say they are Father, they said it, right? When I said, let's all call to mind our sins, we were all silent. When I said, Lord, have mercy, they all repeated, Lord, have mercy, right? There's something about that moment, even though it was a small moment, a 10-minute moment with my family in a living room, that there was something sustaining about that. And as I drove away, I just felt at peace, totally, totally at peace. And when that happens, we have to know that that's where God is opening his own family to us. Maybe you've experienced it on a retreat or on your wedding day. Maybe you experienced it at the birth of your first child or those first few days afterward when the diapers don't smell yet, you know? Maybe you experienced God. Maybe you've experienced God whenever you said, God, I just can't take this, you know, give me a sign. You turn the radio on and your kid or your spouse or your whomever had changed the radio station to some Christian station and a song came on and it hit you, right? Or maybe you went to church and you felt like the deacon or the priest that the homily was speaking directly to you and you walked out on fire. We know the signs, don't we? We know them. We felt God. And Moses is telling us today, do you not remember what that was like and what that was for? God so desperately wants us to be a part of his own life that he tries to knock on the hardened heart or the closed mind or the darkened eye of you and of me. He's trying to get to us. And on top of that, he wants us to participate fully. I mean, just like that hockey game. It's one thing just to go to church. Or to go to a match, right? It's one thing just to go to God. It's another thing to totally invest. And so as I finish, here's seven ideas. They're quick. Seven ideas of how you can open yourself more to God's own life. All right? The first one. And most of these are centered around the Mass. All right? The first one. There's an hour fast we're supposed to keep before Mass. Before we go to church. Before we receive communion. We're supposed to fast for an hour. It used to be for those who are a little, have more few years on you than the rest of us, you used to fast from when? Midnight. Midnight. Thank God that changed, huh? Especially if you don't have a morning mass. Like if you go to mass right now, you'd be starved all day, you know? My grandma and her, and her, her husband, my grandpa, they got married, I think, at like 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning because when they got married 60 years ago or 70 years ago, they didn't want to have to fast all day. So they got married in the morning, right? We still have that hour fast, which is a fast an hour before receiving communion. Why? So we're actually hungry. So when we come forward, our stomach is actually empty. It's ready to receive God. Number two, when you drive here, don't turn the radio on. Have some silence. Now, if your kids are talking or your husband's talking or your wife is talking, fine, right? But don't turn any music on. Because when you get here and you've had a little bit of silence and you're praying in silence, when the music starts, it might actually lift your soul. 
It might actually lift you. Number three, arrive early so you can prepare yourself. A couple weeks ago, I was in the back of church, and a young man came in, one of our parishioners. He was in the back row. And we were all standing up to sing, and he was still down on his knees praying. And I thought, good for him, you know? Get your soul ready. Say sorry for the things you need to say sorry for. Ask God to come and speak to you in the way he needs to speak to you today. Get here early so you can be ready to receive him. Number four, tithe. No one likes that one. Not even me. We tithe. Why do we tithe? Because God gave it to us, and he owns it all anyway. So at least give him one out of every ten bucks back. And maybe if we empty our pockets, um, it might also empty our hearts and our minds so he can fill them too. Number five, read the readings at home before you get here. I always tell people to do that too. And if, you, if you've got kids or grandkids, do that with your grandkids or your kids. Because if you, if you read the readings ahead of time, you can say, what do you think Father's going to talk about this weekend? And then when they get here, especially your kids, and even you, you'll be saying, oh man, I hoped he was going to preach about that second reading, right? Or that gospel. Or I, that question is still there. Or he talked about exactly what I needed to hear. Or, or we thought we would talk about that, and he talked about this, but how do they go together? Or how do they diverge? It'll totally change your, your, your faith formation at home. Number six, ask everyone in the car what they got out of Mass on the way home. Leave the radio off. Actually, go to breakfast and only make that your conversation. What was your favorite song at Mass this weekend? What was your favorite reading? What was one thing that stuck out to you from the homily? It'll change your life because, because it won't just be God's house anymore where you pray. God's house will move home with you and your house will become a a domestic church. And the last one, this is after Mass. It's to get involved. Learn the chants. Wear the colors of the parish. If you happen to show up at other things than just Sunday Mass, people might start knowing your name. And when you walk in and you sit down, someone might turn to you at the sign of peace and say, hello, Tim, it's good to see you again. And you might say, hi, Bob, and know his name too. And as soon as you start forming community with the people who are actually with you, perhaps you might begin to believe that God's own community, Father, Son, Spirit, is amongst you too. Folks, in seminary they tell us this is the worst weekend to preach about. It's the hardest topic because no one understands it. Well, maybe none of us understand it. But partially, maybe it's because none of us have fully invested yet. And if we can do that, this Sunday is indeed, and every day, a great feast.